Welcome to the Attuned and Aligned Show. I am your host, Dr. Brad Aniskevich, and we are here to tune people into their own lives. What it means to live a dynamic, adaptive, and aligned way with your purpose and your calling. What does it mean to live in attunement and alignment with your own purpose? How do we even get there? And where do we even start? We are going to be having these kinds of conversations with numerous people just like you and me around the Charleston area where I'm from and in hopes to expand this even more to people that don't live in my local area. My hope and prayer is that this show would allow space and grace to dive deep into conversations and boldly journey through life authentically. From spiritual battles and emotional traumas to breaking down the latest backed by science biohacks, we are on mission to serve and teach people how to live in powerful congruency with God and with ourselves. As with every show, if there's anything you desire to hear more about or questions that you may have, please don't hesitate to reach out so that we can feature it here. You can send an email to a2zthedc at gmail.com. That is A, the number two, Z is in zebra, the D is in dog, C is in cat at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Good morning. We are going to be talking about the theme of imagery and revelation. I was challenged by my cohort to talk about this in a way that has a little bit more applicability and a little bit more heart to the text and getting into um, what is the point of going through the imagery in the book of Revelation in the Bible. So we're going to be talking about that today, um, but I am going to go ahead and start by reading Revelation 1 and Revelation 9, pieces of it, and I'm going to be alluding to it back and forth um, through the teaching. Okay, So Revelation 1, this is 19 and 20. This is John writing, and he says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Revelation 9 now. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot hear or see or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. Now, that was the NIV translation. There are a few things that are slightly different 
Um, but I wanted to go ahead and read some of that because even earlier in Revelation 9, 7 through 11, there's a lot of imagery here very specific to this trumpet judgment in the book of Revelation. So what do we make of all of this? The imagery of Revelation, what are we looking for? I want to start by saying context is always key. Revelation is often a book where people take it out of context, similar to how I read the verses. I am reading those verses that are within this context and story um, without giving anyone some sort of information about what we are talking about in the first place. You can open up the book of Revelation and you can find some of this imagery and get really lost in it. If you were to go into a bookstore, you weren't, you wouldn't go and read the last couple sentences within the last chapter of a book and assume that you know what it means or everything that led up to developing that story in the first place. Okay. You wouldn't do so with the Bible. And what often happens is people do that with the book of Revelation, but the same rules that apply to every other book of the Bible they just ignore even the people that read more exegetically where you are reading verse by verse. Okay. With revelation, sometimes people just get lost in it. So what we find through revelation one and two is that this book is written through John. Who's also written four other books of the Bible. And instead of writing what he thinks about a topic or his perception of a topic, he is instructed specifically to write what he observes or hears about a topic. Okay. Write what you see. Now, um, if I were to give you an activity where you were back to back with uh, a partner and you were trying to describe the scenery around you, only saying things like shapes, like it's a square uh, within another square lines, right? Trying to, let's say a house. If you're trying to describe to your partner without saying what a house was, what a house looks like using shapes and lines, it's very, very difficult and people would draw different things. John is doing his best to describe what he's observing, even though it's very, very limited in our capacity. It's so abstract. So he's trying to draw upon things. Now, what immediately happens is that we think that John was an idiot because he lived within 80 and 100 AD. And for whatever reason, we think that because we have technology today, that we are somewhat smarter. And this actually leads to a bad eisegesis or interpretation of the text. So as a quick review, um, eisegesis is when we put our worldview into the Bible, whereas exegesis is where we read the Bible for what it is, and we allow the Bible to define that and apply it to the world, okay? So what often happens in the book of Revelation, especially the part that I just read, is a bad eisegesis, or people are taking their worldview, and because we think that John is... Um, an imbecile of some sort that we immediately just go, hmm, okay, well, he must have meant a helicopter or he must have meant a tank or something like that. And that's just not correct. Okay. John is describing this demonic horde in this imagery right here to the best of his ability by applying things like snake and scorpion and locusts, breastplates that looked like these things, these colors, they had these effects on the human body. Um, and that's the imagery of revelation um, in a nutshell, in a very, very quick synopsis. Now, um, 
Context is key. That's kind of like the number one rule when you look at the book of Revelation. But the second rule is deciphering when a symbol is supposed to be symbolic versus when something is actual imagery. So I gave you an example in Revelation 1, 11 and uh, 19 and 20 where John talks about the mystery of the seven golden lampstands and the mystery of the seven stars, right? Angels and churches. John gives it to us right then and there. And when it comes to the book of Revelation and when it comes to symbology in the Bible in general, there's three ways that you can find out if it's being used as a symbol or if it's being used as imagery. If it's being used as a symbol, obviously refer back to the previous rule where context is key. But in the, uh, that symbol will be defined in the Bible, okay? So either in the immediate context, like we saw from John just now in uh, Revelation 1, 19 and 20, or it could be within the book. So later on in Revelation, like Revelation 9, where we were reading some of the things about the demonic hordes, um, John may go back and describe seven golden lampstands. And if there's not this clear imagery of, oh man, is it actual lamps there? That doesn't make sense in that case. He's referring to something like the seven churches, okay? And they define what the symbols are in the Bible. Um, If it's not in the immediate context, and if it's not within the book, it's going to be in other parts of the Bible. Now, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It assumes that you know and have read through the other 65 books of the Bible. And John often refers to symbols and refers to scenes that are referenced in prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel, um, prophets like Joel. Okay, So that's very, very important to look out for in the book of Revelation. So when you're exploring the book of Revelation, we have these easy, easy rules. Context is key. There's times when a symbol is a symbol versus when something is actual imagery. And um, when a plain sense of scripture makes common sense, don't go and seek another sense. Meaning don't go run wild on what the text might mean because this leads to that bad eisegesis. So a quote that I found, eisegesis involves imagination and exploration without the examination of words in text, their context, their cross-references, the author that's being used, and what's known as a hermeneutic, which is how we interpret the text, interpret the words, um, and find meaning within the words. Okay, So some of these concepts like cognitive linguistics or how we think about, how we say things, the tone even of um, what's being portrayed. In essence, don't try and fill the gaps by assuming because it's not how we are to read God's word. And it's okay if in today's society, we don't know. We've never seen anything like this before, what is described in the book of Revelation. So we're not supposed to know. We're not supposed to have a context. We might have things that we can use to draw upon what it appears like, what it may seem like, but it's never going to be the actual experience. When we guess, the problem here is that we think we're right, okay? And when the Lord brings us to actual truth, What happens is we assume that it's wrong since it's different than what we previously agreed upon, okay? God is not a God of confusion, nor is it his desire for the book of Revelation to become this apocalyptic guessing game like we do in today's society. 
The enemy does not have any original ideas. Therefore, the enemy is going to try to pervert and distort and diminish and disregard the word. This is where we get things like our creativity and imagination running wild is movies like The Day After Tomorrow or some of these end of the world movies that turn into all of these different things that the Bible does not talk about. But we like to explore those concepts. There's something within us that wants us to. And the enemy is trying to pervert this idea and this thing that God is tr- giving us at face value. God is relational. He desires for us to get to know him more, and he will continuously do so throughout eternity. So the goal for God here is not to confuse us, but to give us revelation to give us this ability to understand what's going on. And the point in all of the imagery and revelation is not for us to get lost in it, but to understand that God is sovereign over all of this. The imagery of revelation is actually a grace to us, not only because it could be a warning for unbelievers to understand what's going on before and during and after tribulation, but it's a way in which God is truly redeeming us from all of the things that we have done, all of the sin that we have done. Lying is just as much of a sin as adultery. Adultery is just as much of a sin as um, a stealing something, no matter the value of that item that was stolen, right? Lying is just as much of a sin. Stealing is just as much of a sin as murder, okay? And sexual immorality. And that's something that John even laid out here in Revelation 9 that we just read about. The point of all of this is that God is relational, And he uses us who are very limited in our capacity, are limited in our understanding. What a grace it is that he works through human beings to allow us to connect with him deeper and with other people deeper. And that's the point in all of this, right? The point of imagery and revelation is not to get lost in it, not to be imagine, uh, not to use our imagination and our creativity in a way that can get us lost and create a improper interpretation of revelation, but what it's supposed to do, what it's meant to do is to get us to understand how great God is and the story that God has provided um, that we get to take a part in because of Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, If you have any questions, please let me know. And it was such a pleasure to be able to share with you just some initial thoughts on how to read the book of Revelation. If you are tuning in and you want to connect more and learn more about how you can live in alignment, we'd love to serve you. Please reach out and let us know, or you can look us up by searching Anchor of Life Chiropractic. I'm Dr. Brad. I'm the owner of Anchor of Life, and I'm a doctor of chiropractic and an applied kinesiologist within the Charleston, South Carolina area. We focus on healing the body in a holistic way, and we partner with practitioners all across the United States that have the same passions to serve as we do. Even if you don't live in the Charleston area, we would love to hear from you and to connect further, so please don't hesitate to do so. I'm going to lead us in a prayer to close us out today. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us the space and capacity to be here today and to have a means to create this show. 
Proverbs 17.22 says that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so we pray with faith that this show will be used to encourage people, to raise them up and open up avenues and conversations in alignment with your glory. We give you all the glory and we pray that this is just another way that we can serve your people and further your kingdom. Amen.